Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When Verna's first husband, Bill Johnson, died, she inherited their duplex on Broad Beach in Malibu. She and her kids, Kim and Doug, lived in one half. And in early 1976, she rented out the other half to her friends Patty and John Lytell and their two kids. Patty soon met Jean Rayler. The three of them, Patty, Verna, and Jean, all had kids around the same age. So they started spending a lot of time together. On October 15th, the day Jean went into a coma, Patty had spent the day at home babysitting Fred and Jean's younger daughter. Patty didn't find out that Jean was in the hospital until the next morning. Here she is telling the story to an investigator while on break from her job at the bank. I was going to get my hair done that day and Verna came running out of her side of the house, you know, just hysterical and, and told me what had happened. She had just heard about it. Yeah. After Jean's memorial service, Patty and Verna went to a Mexican restaurant in Ventura called The Red Onion. As they sat there, trying to process everything that had just happened, their vibrant, confident friend, dead at 34, under such ambiguous and bizarre circumstances, they allowed themselves to think the unthinkable. What if Fred had murdered her? Verna uh, had made such a big deal, you know, right after Jean died. She'd speculated, we both speculated whether he had killed her then. I remember because we were sitting up in the Red Onion in Ventura after the funeral. And um, we had sat there, you know, getting drunk on margaritas, speculating I've whether been in the Red Onion numerous times, getting drunk on margaritas. <laughs> whether he had done it or not. But whatever Verna thought at the time of Jean's memorial, she soon changed her mind. Because Verna had fallen for Fred. I'm Dana Goodyear, and this is Lost Hills.
Episode 5, Who Would You Take? Verna Johnson worked at the preschool where Fred and Jean sent their older daughter, Heidi. It was part of Malibu Methodist Church. Fred remembers how his first wife, Jean, befriended Verna, the woman who would become his second wife. Jean had actually found Verna at the nursery school, and and Verna uh, said that she would babysit the, the kids. Jean was a little bit older than Verna, more worldly and ambitious. She'd been to college, where she studied music, and had a busy career as a flight attendant. Verna went to beauty school and then was a housewife before she started at the preschool where she sent her kids. But they related. Jean and Verna just seemed to get along well. They'd go to concerts together and share a glass of wine when Jean would pick up Heidi and Kirsten from Verna's house on Broad Beach. It was definitely more the women's uh, connection. Fred says he really only knew Verna casually from the occasional drop-off or pickup on the way to and from his job up the coast at Point Magoo. Jean and Verna were friends, and the kids were all friends, but the husbands, Fred and Bill, hadn't spent much time together. Bill, he had raced uh, sports cars for a while. He had built a, a little Porsche uh, Speedster, and he had a helmet and gloves, and the kids used to enjoy putting them on and running around the house at his place, and I think at the time I had uh, tried uh, hang gliding, and he actually thought that that might be something that he was interested in. But before they had a chance to get to know each other, Bill fell from the building where he was working and died. It was December 1st, 1975. It was a hell of a surprise to everybody. We were all shocked that Bill had died. No one knew that he had taken his life. It, would, it just seemed like it was, you know, he had fallen from a high-rise, and since he was an electrician who built and uh, wired high-rises, uh, no one, you know, suspected that, uh, that it had been a suicide. Of course, Gene uh, stopped taking the kids down there because Verna was, you know, really quite upset. After Bill's death, Jean reached out to Verna, asking her to come to dinner at the house on Calpine. Fred said it was the first time he'd spent more than 15 minutes in Verna's company. Jean said, I've invited Verna and her mother and the kids up for dinner. And I said, oh, that's terrific. So it, it, it went very well. They came to our house, and uh, that was the first time I had met Camelia, uh, Verna's mother. And, of course, we didn't talk about Bill or the death or anything, just more about the kids and school and, and things like that. Uh, the kids got along fine, and the adults uh, got into some wine and felt a little better. Eventually, Fred says, he'd learned more about Bill. Later on, after we married, well, actually before we married, she told me, uh, he had been dealing with uh, bipolar and some very heavy issues. Either the medication wasn't enough or, you know, something was going on. But, uh, I mean, Verna was literally the perfect wife. She was sweet. She was beautiful. She was all those things. Once Bill was gone and Jean was gone, Verna would become his perfect wife. For a little while, anyway.
Several months after Bill died, Verna had started dating a bit. And in the summer of 1976, she was seeing a local swim instructor. He was actually teaching her kids and the Railer kids to swim in the pool at the Calpine House. That was the summer Fred was in Hawaii and he and Jean were falling apart. But by fall, Verna was single again. And when Jean died in late October, she was willing to help out Fred, newly widowed himself. So on October 31st, 10 days after Jean was taken off the respirator, Verna and Fred decided to go trick-or-treating together with the kids. And then probably the first time we did anything together um, was for Halloween. Um, Patty Lytell and her two children and Verna and her two children came up and the three of us decorated all the kids because Heidi wanted to be an angel. And that was pretty heavy. Her mother had died 10 days earlier. She wanted to be an angel, like her mom. And so we we did a trick-or-treating thing uh, with all the kids. And that's basically how things got started. That's the moment Fred marks as the beginning of his life with Verna. To recap, Bill dies on December 1st, 1975. Verna, the babysitter and friend of Jean, comes over for dinner at the Calpine House. Jean falls into a coma on October 15, 1976, and dies on October 21st. Just days afterward, Patty recalls, Verna speculates that Fred could have killed Jean. But then, on Halloween, Verna and Fred take their kids trick-or-treating. And soon, she's taking care of his kids again. And then, Fred and Verna are the ones sharing a glass of wine together. The way Fred tells it, it made all the sense in the world. We did start doing more things. We were we would we were eating dinners. So I would fix dinner for Verna and her children, and and obviously my two at my house. And then a day or so later, Verna would have us down at her place for dinner, and we we bounced that back and forth. They were two recently bereaved adults with four little kids between them. Well, the interesting thing is the kids basically sort of sensed something before I really did. Uh, I was still sort of stunned, and the kids would be, uh, all four of them would be together, and then they actually said at one point, you know, why don't you two get together or something to that effect, and we sort of laughed it off. Um, But I uh, I think Heidi and... And Kirsten and Kimberly still remember that. Actually, they don't remember. I asked them. But this has always been part of the creation myth of Fred and Verna, that it was about the kids and what they wanted. In Fred's telling, Verna was pushing him to define the relationship. Verna said something to the effect of, you know, if you ever change your mind or if you're, whenever you're ready, you know, I'd like to see you and and I said, okay. She said, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to see you on the rebound, and then later on you'll decide that you know this is not something that you want. You know, you really ought to date other people. And of course, I said, oh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I like you. I don't. I don't want to date other people. But then I, I did date Gail after that. 
That resulted in a little love triangle, with Jean's old friend Candy Hinman as a go-between. And then when Verna found that out, she was mad at me, and I said, well, you told me to date other people. She said, yeah, but I really, I really didn't mean that. And Gail had, uh, had already said that she didn't want to date anymore because Candy had told her about Verna, and I didn't lie about Verna. So uh, that's basically when we were uh, pretty, pretty sure we were going to stay together. Fred and Jean had sent their kids to the nursery school at Malibu Methodist, but had never gone to church there. Verna, on the other hand, was both a teacher there and a devout member of the congregation. She and her husband, Bill, had attended regularly. After Jean died, Fred started showing up at Sunday services and made an effort to get to know the minister. This is Verna's friend, Michelle Williams. She was a fellow member of the congregation and also taught with Verna at the church nursery school. She's being interviewed by an investigator. How did you first find out that Verna and Fred were starting to get you know, involved with each other? I'm not sure. I, I think maybe it was because Fred started going to the church. Mm-hmm. And they started talking at church. I, it seemed to me that in a lot of ways, people thought that it was obvious, but it wasn't as obvious to me as it may have been to others. And I, I, I don't know, I don't think I was one of the first to suspect mm-hmm. that they were seeing each other, really. Because they were, it was just one of those things that they had always kind of known each other and dropped kids off back and forth. And as I say, Verna... When I talked to her recently, she remembered that, at least at Malibu Methodist, there was a lot of support for the new couple. We were so happy. Because Verna had been widowed and Fred, you know, lost Jean. And to see the two of them together and to get married, that was just the happiest experience that, that we had you know, as friends and as a church as well. Everyone was just thrilled. Candy Hinman says this extended to the preschool community too. Fred, in her view, got a hall pass for his treatment of Jean. He played the role of rescuer to the hilt. Uh, I think everybody at the nursery school thought he was just a god because of how he swooped in and took care of the children and then started taking care of Verna and her children. Just by being Mr. Wonderful at the nursery school and taking care of the kids and being the ideal father. And, um, And Verna was so respected by everybody and the fact that she then fell in love with him and they were together, I think that whole thing was just a cover-up of how he is. Verna was beloved in Malibu. That she loved Fred and believed him. It kind of made everyone forget about Jean. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. 
It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash loss today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash lost. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, NA member FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. After Jean's death, Verna had some explaining to do. She had been a very close friend of Jean's and part of a circle of women to whom Jean had confessed her troubles. All Jean's friends in Malibu knew what she'd been saying about Fred, that he was violent and that she was afraid. Verna had listened, consoled, and apparently even stashed Fred's gun when Jean started to panic that Fred might use it on her. That time with Patty at the Red Onion after Jean's memorial, Verna had gone so far as to speculate that Fred might have killed Jean in the swimming pool. But then she had a surprise for Patty about a week after that conversation at the Red Onion. Then when they started seeing each other a week, a week or so later, um, she came out and she said, you know, that they were seeing each other. And, and On top of that bombshell, Verna had a request, and she was adamant about it. Whatever you heard from Jean, whatever I said about it, just forget it. She didn't want me to ever think any of the things that we had talked about, which is really easy to say, but you know yeah. exactly. Yes. And um, and all the problems that Jean had told us about, his, his sexual problems, mm. they just didn't exist with them, and I was to forget all of that. You know, and if I was a, a good friend, then I'd just forget about that. Well, you know. Verna had done a 180 on all things Fred. 
starting with Jean's death. Do you think at the time that she believed that Jean's death was accidental? I, I think that she did. Should have almost had to. She, I think she did. Fred had managed to explain it all away. You'd have to know her. I mean, I just loved her dearly, but in some ways she wasn't real smart. And if she wanted to believe something bad enough, I think she... Well, any she of us could do it. Yeah, that's I true, too. I yeah. convince myself of anything. And I think that maybe that's what, what the situation was. But, you know, how can you get inside somebody's head? Yeah. All I can do Patty is... Patty later told investigators that Fred, quote, fooled Verna completely. When Verna told her sister Julianne that she was dating Fred... Julianne was worried. Julianne told an investigator that she'd been put off by the stories that Jean had told about Fred that day they took the kids to the amusement park. I didn't talk to my sister about it much after either until she started dating Fred Mark. And I was concerned at that point. And she says, well, Fred and I have talked about what Jean told me and talked to me about. And she said, he and I have really done a lot of talking because she says, I felt... It was only fair to Fred to let him know what Jean was saying at that point. Did uh, did Verna ever tell you that uh, she had heard all the rumors, the, the suspicions that various people had about Jean's death? Yes. Can you expound on that a little bit? I said, are you sure things, you know, are okay? And she said, yes. She said, Fred and I have talked at length about it. He's gone over the, the accident with me and... Um, Verna even told me what some of, you know, that they'd been in the hot tub together and Jean had kept saying that the water was very warm and Fred kept turning the water down. And then she asked Fred to go check on Kirsten. Fred had gone into the house. He had, Jean had told Verna that he had gone into the house. And, uh, or Fred told her this, I'm sorry. And checked on Kirsten, changed her pants, and brought Jean back a glass of wine and found her in the cold water. And that's all but I was concerned for my sister because I thought, you know, I don't want her to get involved with something that, you know, would tear both of them apart later on. Evidently, Verna was satisfied with Fred's version of events. After all, she was pursuing a relationship with him. So she must have had a new way to think about all the terrible things she'd heard about him from Jean. Here's Fred's friend, Mike Killeen. The indication to me is that she saw who the unstable person was. She knew, you know, if there's a nut in this relationship. Yeah, I hate to use the word nut, but hey, if we're going to carry it that far, if there was a, a person who wasn't stable, boy, that person was Gene Raver. Verna started to think she'd been taken in by Gene's version of events, judging Fred unfairly. Her friend Ann Loudon explained this to investigators. I think that because Verna was really Jean's friend, didn't really have any affiliation with Fred other than he coming to pick the children up at her house, she really didn't know Fred. And so she was basing a lot of what happened on what Jean said. And she was a little uncomfortable that she had indicated. And she said that before they were getting married, that they had sat down and they talked this whole thing through very completely and thoroughly. She was finished talking to Fred, and she heard Fred's side of the story, where she'd always heard Jean's side of the relationship. She was very comfortable and felt secure with what she was doing. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of chatter in Malibu at that time. 
Out of loyalty to Verna, some of her friends started defending Fred. Two people came up to me and had made comments, and I just said, you really ought to wash your mouth episode because what you're saying is really detrimental to a lot of people. I don't want to hear it. It was the beginning of a pattern. If you were truly Verna's friend, you had to stand by Fred. Whenever they actually started seeing each other, by the beginning of 1977, Verna and Fred were officially an item. She was still living on Broad Beach, in the duplex she shared with the Lytels, and Fred was across PCH on Calpine. It was getting complicated. But we knew that they were spending the night together, and it was a matter of getting the kids up to go to school and get them on a time. And she came to me, and she said, Anne, she said, you've got to tell me how you feel about this. And I said, what? She said, how do you feel about me and Fred living together? I said, Verna, why do you worry about it? You know, I don't care. I said, I know you guys are getting married. If that's how you the comfortable is and you've got these kids to deal with, I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, and the people who don't like you and are going to talk, going to talk. That's one of those. Verna moved her kids out of the house on Broad Beach, leaving Patty and her bad vibes behind. Now Verna, Kim, and Doug were living with Fred, Heidi, and Kirsten at the house on Calpine. And the relationship? Well, Fred had no complaints. He wrote that he and Verna, quote, had very good communication and very good sex, helped by a half hour in the hot tub before going to bed. Unquote. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Soon, Fred and Verna were presented with an incredible real estate opportunity. The house on Sea Level Drive, a gated, dead-end street off Broad Beach Road. I don't know whether we saw an ad in the paper or 
exactly where we got the first lead, but when we found out that there was a place down there, and and we took a look at it, and then we went into the process of, of the purchase. They spent a little over $300,000, about $1.4 million in today's money, which they cobbled together through creative refinancing on their other properties. The house was quirky. Here's Fred's friend, Mark Hetrick. It was this big, giant cement block house, and it was one of the ugliest houses ever in the world, but it was in one of the most amazing spots ever in the world. Fred and Verna had followed the old real estate adage, buy the worst house on the best block. And I don't know the story of how Fred came to get that house. And even in Malibu, that's an exclusive address. Right behind the house was Verna's Broad Beach property, which she was renting out. And out the front door was glorious Lechuza Beach. And it was essentially private. It's a beautiful, beautiful beach. And, the you know, it is the high-rent district. I mean, Eisner lived behind him, and Spielberg lived a few doors away, and Ali McGraw was right there. The last time Fred and Verna's former property changed hands, in 2018, it sold for $11.4 million. Once they'd settled into the house on Sea Level Drive, Fred and Verna got married on Lechuza Beach. The minister from the Methodist Church performed the ceremony and played Jean's baby grand piano, which Fred and his groomsmen had carried down to the sand. Friends and family and their new neighbors came out to wish them well. It was Christmas time, 1977. Bill had been dead for two years, Jean for 14 months. Fred and Verna had rebounded and were thriving. Hattie was seven, and she has clear memories of that day. People would say, oh, it was a Brady Bunch story. It was a family wedding, and I remember shopping for dresses. Now I laugh at the dresses. They were long white dresses with red polka dots and red ruffles that we wore, and with brown boots, and my brother was in a little sailor-like, you know, suit thing, but it was always our wedding. We felt very included in everything they did. It was like the whole family got married. Fred and Verna gave rings to each other and to their new stepkids. It was a six-ring ceremony. Fred got down on one knee and asked Kim and Doug. Uh, Something to the effect of, do you want to join our family here and allow me to be your dad or something like that? It was so emotional. It was funny because we both... When we were teasing, when Vernon and I were teasing each other, we said we want them to say at least once that they wanted to be a part of this, you know, officially. Verna's ring had each of the children's birthstones embedded in the band. Fred's and the kids' rings were gold, with a texture like a gold nugget. Mine's, the nugget sort of shot. It's not, it's been worn down. It's sort of smooth, but they, uh, it's sort of an abstract design. If you look at it, we, we all think we can see hearts in it. Uh, but, you know, that's the eye of the beholder. Do you still wear that ring? Oh, yes. Yeah. Was Verna, would you say she was the love of your life? Yes. Mm-hmm. Everything just really came together. Um, we were on the same wavelength on, you know, just about everything that you can imagine. 
This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Later, when he was in jail awaiting trial for Verna and Doug's murders, Fred wrote down some notes about this time. Quote, We were living a dream that can never be duplicated, merging of two families in all the best ways possible. And to many people around them, they did seem blissfully happy. A family friend remembered Fred as, quote, sexy, wearing shoes with no socks, whipping up orange daiquiris to drink with Verna as the sun went down. This is their neighbor, Dottie Menville, in an archival interview. Just the way they looked at each other and um, touched each other and made efforts to be attractive and uh, make time together. And and she was always... um, I mean, I got the impression that they made love even in the daytime if they felt like it. And those kids well-trained not to even knock if their door was shut. (laughs) This is Fred's brother, Ron. I think Vernon was the best thing that ever happened to Fred. I saw him come out of this depression state that I saw him go into, which I solely attributed to Vernon. I was somewhat skeptical at the beginning, and I thought it worked out just extremely well. Fred started coaching the kids in sports, and the neighbors often saw them running together on the beach. This is Marnie Strecker. She played soccer with Heidi. I want to call us the sunshine team. We had yellow uniforms, um, you know, so we'd go to practices and he'd have practice out in front um, on the sand. And, you know, it was just a typical, active, you know, sports sort of oriented family. Um, And they just seemed really happy. She and Heidi were and are extremely close. We spent a lot of time at their home, they would come to our house, um, you know, having lunches or spending the weekends together and, you know, just playing. And, um, you know, that was, that's my memory of them. Verna was just a kind, incredible, you know, sweet woman. She took Kirsten and Heidi um, in as her very own. And I'd say the same for Fred. And they immediately were calling each other sisters and brother. And, you know, it just, um, it just seemed like the perfect match in my mind. And to this day, you know, Heidi calls Verna her mom. And that's not something you see very often when, you know, there's a combined family, you know, and she obviously lost her mom, but Verna was a mom to them, you know, and Fred was a father to them. Verna had ideas about how to reinforce positive behavior, sharing with a sibling, cooperating with a parent, those behaviors would be rewarded with a warm fuzzy, not a Kahlua cappuccino. This was something for the kids. This is Heidi. So what my father did is at his work, he had made tokens with our names on them. And I still have some of them. And every night after dinner, we would sit down and we would all take turns saying all the things we did that were positive or helpful. Warm fuzzy. Warm fuzzy. So I helped set the table, and then we could get one out of the jar. And so we'd go through, but then they would come back and go, but you didn't make your bed. So then it would go back in the jar. Kim just raked in the tokens. She was just (laughs) listing all the things, and I'm thinking, oh, tomorrow I am going to set the table so I can get a token. And I know. The kids had known each other their whole lives. 
from preschool and playdates at Verna's house on Broad Beach and swim lessons at the house on Calpine. Amazingly, they did not become rivals now. Maybe it helped that their ages were staggered. It went Verna's Kim, then Fred's Heidi, then Verna's Doug, then Fred's Kirsten. They all just got along. Fred and Verna couldn't believe how sweet life was, how lucky they were. Their first spouses had died. Was it wrong to be so happy in the wake of tragedy? Fred's friend Mike Killeen told investigators that this became the subject of Fred and Verna's pinch-me pillow talk. He said, uh, Verna and I got to the point in our relationship where at night when we lay in bed, we would ask one another the question, uh, if the other person were to come back today, they both lost somebody in trouble, who would you take? And we both agreed, he said, that we would take one another because that's how perfect our relationship was. Life was just better than it had been with Bill and Jean. This caught the attention of the Santa Barbara detectives, too, especially when they began to focus on the timeline of Fred's romance with Verna. Later, Fred would be called upon to account for his whereabouts on December 1st, 1975, the day Bill Johnson plunged to his death. Because the more the detectives learned about Fred Rayler, the more they were starting to think. He was not a victim of these terrible circumstances, but the architect. Coming up on the next episode of Lost Hills, it's neighbor against neighbor, and who knows what to think. Since January, this is the talk of the town, and immediately there was there was the division. No, who couldn't possibly have done that? Yeah, and yes, he probably did. Yeah, he probably did. And I mean, I have those feelings. Some days I think he couldn't possibly have done this. This is just too horrible. Couldn't possibly. And then other days I think, but what if he did? That's next in episode six. Cold Pricklies. Lost Hills is written and reported by me, Dana Goodyear. It's created by me and Ben Adair and produced by Western Sound and Pushkin Industries. Subscribe to Pushkin Plus and you can hear the whole season ad-free and get early access to the final two episodes. Find Pushkin Plus on the Lost Hills show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.